Amen, thank you, Kristen, so good, so good. Well, good morning, everybody, welcome to church. Glad that you're here, praise the Lord. Is my new grandbaby in the house? Oh, she's there, I'm on, Miss Bella. Isabella Grace in the house, that's awesome, amen. So you look way too young to have grandchildren. Thank you so much, I appreciate that, I appreciate that. Oh, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. I think everybody's sitting over here today. Maybe I'll just turn this way and just address y'all. So, amen. Good to see you. And sitting out there online, blessings to you. Many, many of you there. So grateful to the Lord for so much. So God has just been so, so good to us as a church, uh, to you as individuals and families. And uh, we just bless you in the name, in the name of the Lord. Today, I'm really excited about this message God has given me. It's it's a message about fear, about fear not. It's out of Acts chapter 18. We're gonna look at verse nine through 17. If you have your Bible, you wanna open it up there, your, your iPad or your phone or however you're reading God's word today, I have it here. We have it also on the screen. And uh, next week, I'm writing a whole series of devotions are gonna be published on, it's called No Fear Here. And so for the whole week, I'm gonna be writing on um, about 9,000 people get this devotion every day. And if you want it, you can sign up on our website at dfea.com and download it, and we'd be happy for you to have this. And by the way, if you're a member at Great Hills, I just want you to know a lot of that next week is what you're gonna hear uh, today. And so you'll see it in, in written form uh, tomorrow. All my life, the Lord has been so good. Can, can I get a witness, amen, can I get a testimony? My life has been so faithful. Uh, so we're gonna talk about it. Let me go ahead and just introduce it and get it out of the way because I know it's still an issue and, and, and even the person who gave the testimony today is not here because of COVID. Isn't that interesting? Strange. And Kurt Summers, God bless you. You gave a great testimony on the D-Path, discipleship path. We, we miss you. I was texting just this morning or doing a, a private or a message to a friend of mine that's in the hospital. He's in his 30s. He has COVID. He's in Lynchburg, Virginia. He's a worship pastor. And so we're just reaching out to him. And, and Wayne, you might be watching us today. God bless you. And I know there's a lot of, a lot of fear. I heard a message um, this past week. Somebody sent me a, a clip and I watched, I didn't watch all of it, but I watched enough of it and I got the gist of the sermon. The pastor was preaching in Maryland and it's called the pandemic of fear. Now, oftentimes we think of the pandemic of the coronavirus or the pandemic of your personal crisis, but, but really this pandemic of fear. You know, I'm just reading through the Bible this week and I was just looking at all the verses. I didn't look at all 100, 365 of them, but I did look at a lot of them. I'm gonna share a lot of these with you today and I'm hoping and I'm praying that God really speaks to you and that God would replace your fear with faith. And God would remove your doubt and instead of your doubt, he would place courage uh, in you. Some of you have had a tough week. Uh, some of you have had a, la a tough, the last 23 months when this thing first broke on the scene uh, in February, March of 2020. But aren't you glad for God's word? God's word is timeless. God's word speaks to us and it was like it was written to us today, even though it was written thousands of years ago and we open it up and the same Holy Spirit that inspired the word of God illuminates our minds so that when we read it, we, we feel it. I mean, you just feel the courage of God just 
infiltrating where we had fear and doubt and worry and trepidation and all those things. And then here comes God and he gives faith and joy and hope and courage. And I'm hoping and I'm praying that that's, because I know some of you need this. There are some times in your life when you come across some very difficult times and some of you are in those seasons and I'm just so glad that you're here. And having been your pastor now for almost 12 years, you get to know people a little bit and I know some of your story. And I know some of you are here today and you, it's, it was a big, big deal for you to get here today. Praise God. I'm glad that you're here. The Bible says in Acts chapter 18, I'm gonna look at verse nine with you. Now the Lord, the Lord Jesus spoke to Paul in the night uh, by a vision and he said, do not be afraid. In the Greek construction, I'm not gonna bore you with all the grammar and the syntax, but just trust me when I say a really strong, good translation is stop, stop being afraid. Stop, Paul, but speak and do not keep silent. And why in the world would Jesus command Paul to not be afraid if he were not afraid? I don't know about you, but I read that and I get hope out, I get encouragement out of that because the greatest Christian who ever lived dealt with fear and he dealt with uh, timidity and, and discouragement, then so, so do you and I. And the same message. Now, I may not be in a not vision, come on, it may be up here me speaking to you, but the word of God says, stop being afraid. Here's why, I am with you. Come on, man. How many times does the Bible say that, that God is with us? God is for us. God loves us. And he says, I am with you and nobody will attack you to hurt you. For I have many people in this city. And so Paul continued there uh, a year and six months in the city of Corinth in Greece, teaching the word of God among them. Now, when Galileo, I think I'm pronouncing this right. I wanna say Galileo, or I, I wanna add something to it, but it's just when Galileo was proconsul, if you would think of the word governor, you'll get a good gist of this guy in the whole province of, of Achaia. This guy's large and in charge. Uh, he is a man with much authority and power and prestige. His name is Galileo, proconsul of Achaia. The Jews with one accord rose up against Paul. Can we stop right there for just a minute? I can imagine that Paul's going, oh no, they're rising up against me like they always have. And, and, and fear starts welling up in the apostle Paul's heart. And then he remembers, wait a minute. The God who loves me and the God who created me said, do not fear no matter what. Even though they rose up against him and they brought him to the Bema judgment seat. The Bema is the Greek word for judgment. And they said, this fellow, by the way, that's not a nice thing to call somebody. I mean, that's a very pejorative, it's a very derogatory, oh, that old hag, that old lady, that crazy guy, that, that's, that's what it says. This fellow persuades men to worship God contrary to, to the law. And when Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, if it were a matter of wrongdoing or wicked crimes, O Jews, there would be reason why I should bear with you. But if it is a question 
of words and names and your own law, you look to this yourselves, for I do not want to be a judge of such matters. Now we're in Acts chapter 18. We're finishing out the, the, the chapter of Acts 18. We're coming down to verses 16 and 17. I want you to watch this. So Gallio drove them. He removed all of the Jews with their accusations against Paul. He removed them from the Bema, from the judgment seat. Then all the Greeks took Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and they beat him before the judgment seat. But Gallio took no notice of, of these things. So we're on Paul's second missionary journey. Uh, it's around AD 49 to 51. I've retraced this journey physically. I've been there in the very city of Corinth. I've literally looked at it with my own eyes, the Bema. It's there. There is a judgment seat. It is well-preserved in Corinth. That's where the governor would come and hear cases like this against Paul. And I'm so glad that we can see this in real time, in real life, knowing that our Bible given to us is rooted not in myth and fallacy and fables and so forth. It is rooted in, in concrete history and, and it's documented. And so this is an actual place with actual people and praise God, I'm glad it's preserved for us. Because somebody in this room today, and some of you listening online, you need to be encouraged to know that the same God who delivered and helped Paul is the God that's going to help you. Father, I'm praying right now in Jesus' name, with your heads bowed, guys and gals, with your eyes closed, just go to the Lord in prayer. Let's just ask him. And those of you that are online, if you can, just bow your head, close your eyes for a moment. We invite you, Lord, thank you that you're here. Thank you for the praise and the worship that we've enjoyed. Thank you, Lord for the word of God that has been read and spoken. Thank you now that we get to, to teach your word, Lord, that we get to go systematically and just walk through the sacred text. And as I do this, God, I pray that your power would come. I pray that your anointing would come. Lord, I pray that you would speak to people's hearts. I pray for those who are discouraged and they have this pandemic, Lord, this mighty coronavirus uh, of fear. And I'm praying today, Lord, that you would comfort them, strengthen them, that you would eradicate that fear. Thank you, Lord, for this word you gave me, even this morning, that the presence of God is greater than the possibility of fear. And we thank you, Lord, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. I imagine the Apostle Paul is thinking, oh boy, here we go again. I've seen this script, I've lived this horror movie where you go in, you preach the word of God, and and people get saved and great things are happening. Then all of a sudden the Jews rise up and they persecute me. And they, and they almost, at one point, you remember this in Lystra, the apostle Paul was stoned. I mean, he was pelted with stones. It says, then the Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there, having persuaded the multitudes. This is Acts uh, 14, 19. They stoned Paul and they dragged him, stoned him. All right. I mean, they are literally trying to kill him. The Jews, they dragged him out of the city and they supposed him to be dead, meaning they beat him unconsciously and they laid him unceremoniously in the street. And so Paul's probably thinking, oh boy, here we go again. Lord, is this gonna happen again? They're gonna rise up against me. They're gonna hate me. They're gonna assault me verbally. And then right behind that, they're gonna assault me physically. And who knows what's gonna happen? And, and so I just, I just and, and I don't know how I'm gonna get, I can, I can see that. You say, but that's the apostle Paul. I mean, he is, uh, he's made of granite, right? No, no, he's made of flesh and blood just like me and you. That's why God had to tell him, stop, Paul, stop. 
your mind is racing. You're, you're worried about things that are not even going to happen. Y'all know 92% of the thing you, things you worry about never happen? You're welcome. When I first heard that, I got mad. What in the world am I worried about stuff? Nine out of ten things I'm worried about. True story, Abraham Lincoln was traveling through Illinois as a lawyer before he was president. You know, he was a lawyer, and he's traveling through. He comes to this old tavern. A lot of people are gathered there, and they're all talking about the same thing. They're talking about Fox River. Fox River is a real river in Illinois, and they are like petrified of it because it had a reputation when the rains come, Fox River would swell up and poor souls, poor souls that go up to Fox River and they try to cross it, it's turbulent. And literally everybody in the tavern were talking about it, including the president, would-be president. He goes up to this Methodist circuit rider. Y'all know what a circuit rider is? A circuit rider, Methodist preacher. I mean, these guys like John Wesley, I mean, they're tough as leather. They, John Wesley rode on his horse 250,000 miles, traveling from city to city, county to county, preaching the word of God. Well, it wasn't Wesley, but it was another Methodist circuit rider. And, and they all turned to him. They said, well, what do you think? What, what do you think about Fox River? And what, what's your thoughts about this preacher? And the old Methodist preacher said these words. These are classic words. He said, I don't, I don't ever cross that river till I reach it. <laughs> I don't ever cross that river till I reach it. In other words, I don't worry about it. I don't rehearse it in my mind over and over and over because it does me no good. So you can sense in this text as we're reading it today, especially verse nine, you just, you just sense the joy of Jesus, the peace, the calm of Jesus speaking over Paul, his beleaguered, weary traveler soul. Let me give you a couple of verses that just I hope this encourages you like it did me in my own heart this week. Deuteronomy 31, six, and Moses speaks to Israel and he says, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear, nor be afraid of them for the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you, all right? He will not leave you, nor will he ever forsake you. Another verse, Isaiah 41, 10. Fear not, for I am with you. I want you to notice the, the common theme here. The prohibition against fear accompanied with a promise from God. Don't fear, why? Because God's with you. You know, wait a minute, I'm not supposed to be afraid. I wish somebody had told me that earlier because I just live a life of fear and worry and doubt. And, and I, but you don't have to. You say, but yeah, but what if this cancer I've got, what if it kills me and I die? Do you know Jesus? Then you go to heaven, hallelujah. Then you win. Well, if God heals you and you don't die, then you get a testimony. He said, well, could it really be that simple? In God's mind, it is that simple. I am your God. God says, I am with you. Isaiah, stop being afraid. I'm with you. Don't be dismayed. I am your God. I will help you. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I know everybody struggles with it. Even Paul did. In Ephesians 4, 19, he said, church at Ephesus, pray for me. Pray for me that I have boldness. Isn't that interesting? The courageous apostle Paul, and when reading in Acts chapter 18, he's at a low point. 
again, Jesus would not strictly prohibit him to stop doing something if he weren't already doing it. So he says, stop being afraid. He's beleaguered. He's tired. And what God does in his life is the same thing that God will do in your life and in my life if we let him. And I'm going to show you these four things. Don't, don't get too nervous. We've already looked at two of them, all right? The four things Paul happens to Paul in the text, number one is God gives him friends. God brings people in Paul's life to lift his spirits to Aquila and Priscilla and Gaius and people like that. You read about them in Acts chapter 18. Another thing God did for Paul that helped his soul, I know it just energized him and he gave him new converts, people like Crispus, the leader of the synagogue and all of Corinth. God saved him. And so I can just see God blessing his servant, Paul, going, look, here's friends new and old. Then here comes Silas, and here comes Timothy, and here comes Luke, and here comes these guys coming along, Paul, who's beleaguered, uh, he's doubting, he's fearful. And isn't that cool the way God does that? God brings people in your life to lift you up. Now, there are a lot of people that tear you down, right? I mean, they verbally assault you to discourage you and come what may, but aren't you glad that Almighty God sends other people who lift you up, who encourage you. And that's what these friends do for the Apostle Paul and the new converts. People are getting saved. People got saved in Corinth. I mean, people were believing in the Lord. They were getting baptized. They were being assimilated into the church. And so God is doing these things to build up his apostle, his beleaguered, weary traveler apostle. But there's two more things I want you to notice with me that, that Jesus does. He tells him in no unmistaken terms, he says, I want you to stop being afraid, Paul. Now, there are six times that the Lord appears to Paul in a vision. Isn't that interesting? And each time you trace these visions that Paul had in his life, every time they came at a low point, at a point where Paul was like, God, I need you. Is anybody there today? Is anybody sitting among us or maybe on, online that are like, that's me. I need a word from God. I, I was hoping, you know, I was coming to church and I was just hoping that, that maybe you would share something. I'm even actually thinking about taking my life. Who knows? Maybe that's you. Maybe you're actually contemplating suicide today or maybe you online are going, maybe just one more time, I was just gonna give God one more chance. Hallelujah, praise God you're here and you're listening online, and almighty God says, stop being afraid because I got you. Can I say it again? Stop being afraid because I'm with you, and I love you, and I'm gonna uphold you. You don't need to take your life. You don't need to do something drastic. You don't need to, you don't need to think you're going out of your mind. I love you. I am for you, and I'm gonna get you through. That's what God says. I'm gonna get you through. Hallelujah. Thank you, sister. Hallelujah. Get a witness. Say amen or amen. amen. How about Joshua 1, 9? Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Why? For I, I'm in Joshua 1, 9, if y'all can find that. I know I'm, I'm running hard, but for I am with you, there it is, says the Lord, your God is with you wherever you go. Isn't that good? Every time, it seems like this week, I'm be looking look at this text and God says, 
Well, look at this verse. And, and, and it's like, don't be afraid. Yeah, but why? Why shouldn't I be afraid? Because the Lord, he's with, he's with us. One writer, uh, Kent Hughes, a pastor in his commentary on Acts, he says this, from Paul's perspective, the immediate future was perfectly predictable. Soon, there would be a riot. He would be spiked and punted. The diabolical pattern was quite clear. He was like a boxer who knows what is coming when he answers the bell, end of quote. And fear does that to us. It paralyzes us. It renders us ineffective in sharing the gospel. It renders us, you know, weak and and I'm afraid, I, I see this so many times when God wants us to be champions and God wants us to take a stand in our, for our marriages. And God wants us to take a stand for righteousness and God wants us to speak up. That's what he told Paul. Paul, speak up. I've got you. Don't, don't worry. Don't be fearful. And in verse 10, it's so, so powerful. He says, for I am with you. Nobody will attack you or hurt you for I have many people in this city. I've been listening to a song, um, Jeff, all, all week. I, I just, it's just, it's Mark Schultz and it's called He Is. And he wrote this song years and years ago. In fact, the story behind Mark Schultz writing the song was two of his friends had just died of cancer. And he was struggling. And as an artist, he, he's, trying to, he's, he's trying to put into words just where he was in the, in, the, in the hurt in his heart. That's, this is a lot of what a sister church of ours is going through right now. It's called Prestonwood, Prestonwood Baptist Church. You know, we get a text. I read it at 4.30, and I don't know what y'all doing at 4.30, but I'm reading texts sometimes. And it's from my son, and he goes, please pray for us. Now, my son, Bryant's the junior high pastor at Prestonwood Baptist Church. Um, he has a lot of kids, a lot of students in his, in his ministry. The young lady that introduced um, him and his wife, her name was Stephanie. Uh, Stephanie's been, at, she was saved as a seventh grader, Jeffrey, and she was called to the ministry. She's 37 years of age. She's married to Brian. Brian is Pastor Jack Graham's videographer. They're, they're just active, loving couple at Prestonwood Baptist Church. And Stephanie... It was Wednesday night or Thursday night of this week. She went to sleep and she woke up in heaven. 37 years of age. 37. And Brian was like, Dad, I, I was just texting her. I mean, we were, planning the, we were planning out more things in the ministry. She was over all the, she was like the, the girl's minister of, of, of Prestonwood. I mean, I mean, the, this, this, this family, can you imagine her? husband, Brian, they've been married three years. You say, what do you, what do, you do in times like that? What do, you, what do you say in times like that? Well, I was texting friends of mine who are good friends with Jack Graham saying, maybe you ought to reach out. Maybe you ought to reach out to him. Jack Graham's at the hospital 11 o'clock Thursday night and, and there, she's, her life is in the balance and she dies and she goes into the, to the presence of Jesus. I can't imagine what her husband is going through right now. But you know, God promises us that he'll be with us, that he will get us through. And that's what he did with Mark Schultz. And he wrote these words, two friends just died of cancer. He sent it to his producer, Roger Bannister. And Roger Bannister 
back then, he probably pushed the cassette button, right? And he listened to the song. And as he was listening to the song, he, he raised his hands to heaven and he said these words. He said, this song will be a gift to the church. And it goes like this. Father, let the world just fade away. Let me feel your presence in this place. Lord, I've never been so weary. How I need to know you're near me. Father, let the world fade away. Till I'm on my knees, till my heart can sing. He is, he was, he always will be. Even when it feels like there is no one holding me, be still my soul, he is. Paul, nobody is going to hurt you because I got people. I got people in the city. And sure enough, God had people in the city. He reminded me, I'm reading in my quiet time in 1 Kings, I'm reading about the story of Elijah the prophet. And I'm reading in 1 Kings where Elijah, the, the man of God, is discouraged. He's on the run from Jezebel. And, and uh, y'all know the story? Y'all with me? Okay. And he's running from Jezebel, and, and he's, he's on his journey, and, and God appears to him and says, Elijah, what is going on? Where are you? What are you doing? Oh, but Lord, I'm suffering for you, and I'm the only one. Lord, I'm the only one that is standing for righteousness and all the other people. Isn't it amazing how sometimes you start feeling sorry for yourself, you just blow things way out of proportion. I'm the only one. Oh, help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. And God's like, would you be quiet? Watch this. Elijah, I got 7,000 people that have not bowed their knees to Baal. You may think you're the only one. I may think I'm the only one sometimes, but we're not. God is with us. There are more for us than there are against us. Verse 11, Paul's gonna accomplish this great ministry because God was true to his word. He comforted him. He comforted him how? He gave him good friends, like God's given you good friends. He gives them new believers. You know, we had two new, two new people going to be baptized today. You said, well, where are they? It's 32 degrees in the baptistry, we found out. <laughs> it's interesting how people don't want to, they don't want to go under when it's 30 degrees in the water. I, don't, I can't blame you. And Daniel, you wouldn't, you wouldn't want to get in there, would you? No, Daniel's shaking his head. He so we're gonna to try to do it next week. Things, things happen, right? Things happen. And I've baptized in cold water before and it's so sad, y'all. I'm freezing and the person's freezing and right before they go under, they're like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> amen, not today, not today. But you know, just knowing that, man, that blessed me. I know there are two more people, Rick, two more people that are about to follow Jesus and believers' baptism. That's two of the 200 that we're praying for and seeking the Lord for. Y'all may not know this, every Monday, just because I don't say a lot of things don't mean, don't mean I, there's a lot going on. Every Monday, your staff, we, we go around in a circle and we talk about who we shared the gospel with that week. We hold each other accountable. And we, and we who have you invited to church this week? Who are you witnessing to this week? Who are you building relationships with this week? It takes, sometimes, Brother Terry, I'm my witness, it takes 20, 30 minutes because your staff were so excited about sharing the gospel with people that we met this week. 
And I'm thinking about the couple of people that, that Ashley and I have shared with uh, this week. And just knowing, Jeff, that they were going to get baptized, it excited me. It, it built me up as your pastor. You say, so that is, that's what encourages you? Yes. Friends, seeing people saved. But what encourages me more than anything is the word of God. When Jesus says, Paul, stop being afraid. Let me give you one more and we'll, we'll wrap it up. The, the fourth thing God did for Paul, and he still does for us today, is he frustrates our enemies. You say, now where in the world did you get that? Well, if you look at verses 12 through 17, you see that God intervenes on behalf of Paul. He is going to frustrate Galileo. All right, because Galileo, the, the province, the, the governor of the province, I mean, they have got this uprising against Paul. Paul's like, I've seen this script before. Here they come. And I just think that this time Paul's going, I'm not afraid. I'm not worried. I, Jesus promised me he's going to take care of them. And Jesus, would you please hurry? Because here they come. I mean, they, they got me before the Bema, before the judgment seat. It reminded me of a text in Proverbs that says, the king's heart, is in the hand of the Lord. And like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. Gallio was the proconsul of Achaia. He had a brother named Seneca. Some of you historians, you might remember this name. Seneca was a famous Roman philosopher. He was also the tutor of Emperor Nero. His brother, Seneca's brother, is this guy. Don't y'all love when the Bible does stuff like that? I mean, this is rooted in history. It's, it's documented. And so he said, Seneca said about Gallio that my brother, he's bragging on his brother. My brother was intelligent. My brother hated flattery. And my brother had a pleasant personality. That's what he said about him. He's the guy that Paul is going to appear before. So the Jews bring him before the highest authority in the city of Corinth. Um, Imagine Paul's heart's beating fast. And I mean, he, he may feel alone. I, I don't know where Timothy is. Timothy, he has his own issues, right? He's fearful to himself. The good Dr. Luke, I don't know, maybe he's looking at it from afar. I, I don't know where Silas, I don't know where these guys are. Paul is probably alone. And he's appearing before Gallio. And these Jews... Y'all, these unbelieving Jews are seething with anger. And the Bible tells us why. It says because Paul is, he's converting these people. He's making these people walk away from Judaism and they're, and they're saying that Jesus is Lord. And all Paul was doing was fulfilling his mission as a pastor. And he was showing them through the Old Testament, here is the Messiah, here is the Messiah. His name is Jesus. He died on the cross. God raised him from the dead. Believe on him, be saved. And Corinth said, we believe, we believe. I think it, you can stand before a lot of things, but you, it, you cannot hardly stand before jealousy, before envy. They call it the green-eyed monster. And these Jews were just like seething with anger. We're losing converts. This guy has, he's got people coming to him. And, and they just couldn't, so they bring him. They're thinking, man, we got him now. We're gonna shut him up. Watch Gallio. He's gonna take him out. Now, this is a pivotal, critical time not just for Paul, but for all of Christianity. And I'm gonna tell you why. If Gallio rules in favor of the Jews, he will set a gubernatorial precedent. He will set a precedent for other leading prominent 
proconsuls and governors all throughout the Roman Empire. Well, you know, pre, when you're in a court of law and you're arguing and you appeal, you tell the judge and the jury, but on such and such a day, the court or the Supreme Court or the higher court of appeals, whatever, they ruled and here's how they ruled in the same kind of case judge that we're dealing with. And so that carries weight and prominence. And so it is here. So what will he do? If he rules against Paul, it's going to be bad. It's going to be tough for Christianity, but he rules in favor. God frustrated their plans. He foiled their plots. Verse 13, they accused Paul of, of persuading people to leave Judaism and convert to this new sect. Verses 14 and 15, Gallio, he summarily dismisses the charges against Paul. He says, you, you people get a life. He ain't done it. My word, y'all bothering me with this? This is against your laws and your precepts and your Judaism. Y'all figure that out. I don't have, I don't have time for this. In 16 and 17, Gallio literally drove the Jews from his presence. And I imagine Paul standing there going, my, my, my. And Lord, just think, I was worried about this. I'm praying that God does that for y'all this week. You walk into that meeting, he's talking to a brother over here, asking about his PhD dissertation at UT. He said, well, it's interesting that you ask because tomorrow, tomorrow I submit my thesis, my ideal, my, my dissertation. I don't know what you're up against. Maybe you're faced with some serious battle. Some, maybe it's a physical battle. Or maybe it's a battle in your own heart. And those two wolves are fighting. Feed the good one. Feed your faith. Open up the word of God. Read it. Look, if you want the manuscript, we'll send it to you. It's got all these scriptures, all of these points, all this stuff. Just read it. Just read God's word. Allow it to assage your, your fears and your, your worries and your doubts. And God did it. Man, did he do it. There are two interpretations for those of you, my Bible scholarly people. There are two interpretations about what happens in verses 16 and 17. I thought this was really interesting, so let me give them to you. Number one, it says in verse 16, they drove them out from the judgment seat. Then all the Greeks took Sosthenes. Now, who's this guy? He's the new ruler because the other one got saved. Crispus got saved, so Sosthenes is the new ruler of the synagogue of the Jews. And they took this poor soul and they beat him. They beat him before the judgment seat. And there are a couple of theories as to what is going on here. Here's the first theory. The Jews beat this new ruler of the synagogue because, number one, he too converted. <laughs> he also converted to Christianity, or he didn't convert, but he botched the Pauline trial. Are y'all with me? He bought, he's the guy. If you'd done a better job, we could have had this guy persecuted, maybe even incarcerated, and maybe even killed. You nitwit, you, come on, you beat him. And they did, they just beat the poor guy, poor old Sosthenes. The other theory is the Greeks beat him in a show of anti-Semitism. You say, well, I don't really know what, I don't either. They just beat the poor guy. But you know who they didn't beat? They didn't beat Paul. You know why? Because God told him, they ain't going to touch you. If God gives you a promise, hang on to it. Now, don't, don't pick a fight with Goliath. Don't, you know, God didn't tell you to pick a fight. Don't, don't be stupid, right? 
stupid, you know. Horace Gump, stupid. Don't do that. But when you're walking with the Lord and you're, you're in the freedom of the Holy Spirit, don't fear. Share. Paul, speak up. You and I speak. Some of you here today, I, I just know it. I, I know it. You're struggling. And I'm going to ask you, if you are open to doing something a little bit different, um, I'd, I'd just like, I'd like for some of our people to pray a verse of Scripture over you. If you've never had somebody pray a verse of Scripture over you, it is powerful. Here, here's what's so powerful about it. Number one, you got somebody that cares enough and loves you enough to speak the Word of God over you, right? Again, we got all got critics. We all got people that are against us and people that speak words against us. That is not going to happen at this altar, okay? You come, you say, but Brother Danny, if I come, then people going to know that maybe I'm the one struggling with fear. Lay your pride aside and get down this aisle. Come, let's let just say, Pray over me. You said, what is the verse? First of all, I want to know the verse. I just don't want any verse being prayed over me. What is the verse? Here's the verse. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Is that okay if we prayed that over you? You said, well, I will, I will receive that. Who's going to pray it over me? Well, I'm going to ask our pastors. I'm going to ask some of our deacons. I'm going to ask some of the people just standing up here. Now, look. We're going to give you this opportunity, and if you don't come, we're just going to get cannibal on you. We're going to turn to each other and just start praying for one another, all right? Because I promise you, there are people that are fearful. There are people that are worried. There are things, there are things beyond your control. Father, we pray in Jesus' name. We pray for peace. We pray even now, God, that you would give courage First of all, I want to invite pastors, would y'all join me? And our ministry directors, would y'all come? Maybe, maybe some of our deacons even, would y'all just come and, and just stand here at the, at the altar and just, we just kind of spread out here, be spaced out a little bit. Lord, first of all, I want to pray for these men and women of God that you'd give them the words to say. I do pray that they would pray. First Timothy um, 2 Timothy 1, 7, for God has not given us the spirit of timidity, fear, but of power, love, discipline, or sound mind. Lord, there are many minds and many hearts that are divided today. And God, it may not be the pandemic of the coronavirus. It may be just a pandemic of fear and anxiety and panic attacks and, and doubt and all those things that they're wrestling with. Today, God, I'm praying that they would humble themselves. They would come forward. And just allow me, allow my wife, allow these good men and women of God just to speak a word over you and just pray. Look, you don't even have to tell us what it is. You may, you may just come to the altar and just say, it's me. I mean, it is me and I'm dealing with it and just pray, just pray for me. So Lord, we pray this would be a time of liberation, a time of freedom. And God, we would speak truth over one another. This is my prayer in Jesus' name.